Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Rafael Collazzo today, an amazing individual and an individual who is going to inspire you in a big way. And not only that, but he's going to give you the clarity on where's the real estate market going and where are those opportunities for you to be creative and for you to capture new opportunities, but also capture the amazing, amazing really concepts behind investing in yourself and how you can invest in yourself and how you can make quantum leaps and really exponentially grow as a professional, as an investor, as a person, and as a, you know, overall human being to design the life of your dreams. Today, you're going to learn so much. And I just want to invite you to really enjoy this conversation. So are you ready to take it to another level? I have no doubt today is going to be that day. Welcome back to the show where we sit down for mind-expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. This is for real estate investors who are high performers who have a desire to be even higher performing. So if that is you, you're in the right place today. Is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally, professionally, to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And of course, you know this, we will distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, and so much more from an individual like Rafael Collazo, so that you can elevate to a life without limits yourself, so that you can share that with other people around you, so that you can really maximize your time on this beautiful blue planet. This is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through personal growth, through personal mastery, real estate investing, other ventures, most importantly, and ultimately in their lives. If you're enjoying Elevate, first of all, thank you so much for being here. We want to invite you to subscribe, follow the show, and give us a rating and review. It's obviously helpful as we continue to attract amazing guests and continue to bring phenomenal content so that you can elevate your life, so that you can elevate your real estate, so that you can be an even higher performer, not only in what you're doing in real estate, but as a husband, as a wife, as a son, a daughter, a father, a mother, you know, all of these things so that we can really live the life of our dreams, because there is no limits to what we can do in our lives. If we give ourselves number one, the permission to do so. And if we really construct our habits, the way we construct our beliefs, we construct our mindset, and we surround ourselves with great people. So this is a great way for you to do that is to really show up and listen to elevate. So I just want to thank you for being here. First of all, and second of all, I want to invite you to go check out elevatepod.com, which is where all the resources and the show notes and all the amazing things that we're offering you so you can connect with our guests so that you can, you know, find the links to the books that guests recommend so that you can find links to seminars and other listenings uh, or, or, you know, TED Talks. I mean, you name it. I mean, we, we reference so many things on this podcast so that you can invest in yourself so that you can place your attention on how to really elevate your mindset, elevate your skill set, elevate your attributes and all of these beautiful things which support us in being high performers. And as a result of uh, really all of this as well, you know, thinking about being a high performer, if you want to be an even high performing real estate investor, I invite you to go visit elevatecoachingacademy.com. That's elevatecoachingacademy.com where you can learn more about Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy. And uh, I want to tell you that we are blessed and grateful to really serve people in being the best of the best and developing systems, developing mindset, developing strategies so that people can have more free time, 
so they can make more money, so they can surround themselves with people who can connect them to greater opportunities so that they can live the life of their dreams. At the end of the day, I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds maybe corny in some ways, but I can tell you that we're very passionate about it. So go check out elevatecoachingacademy.com. We'd love to have the opportunity of investing in you and really helping you make quantum leaps and helping you make exponential growth in your business and in your life. And so go check out Elevate Coaching Academy right now. And with that said, I want to go ahead and dive in. I want to introduce you to Rafael Collazo, who is a licensed commercial real estate agent specializing in retail and multifamily properties. Transitioning from a career in software, Rafael brings a strong technical background and a love for dissecting complex problems to his clients' interactions. These characteristics enable him to provide innovative and effective real estate solutions to help his clients get the most out of each transaction. As a real estate investor himself, Rafael is acutely aware of what investors look for when evaluating commercial property. And as a result, he's able to offer a unique perspective and help his clients make the best possible decision based on their financial goals. Prior to joining the Grusanti Group, Rafael worked as a software implementation consultant for Fast Enterprises, a software company that provides COTS software products for government agencies. And having lived and worked in various locations around the US and abroad, including Italy, Phoenix, Arizona, DC, Puerto Rico, and Louisville, Kentucky, Rafael has gained a unique understanding of his culture of cultural intricacies and has leveraged those experiences to expand his professional network to better serve his clients. Although along with being a full-time commercial real estate agent, Rafael is also the author of the Millennial Playbook series, a book series which focuses on personal and professional development topics for young professionals. He wrote his latest book, Before You Sign That Lease, to help business owners navigate that often difficult process of leasing commercial real estate. And as a performance coach and speaker, he's also had the opportunity to speak to thousands of students and professionals on a wide range of subjects. Rafael graduated from Arizona State University in 2013 with a bachelor's degree in industrial engineering and a minor in economics. So without further ado, welcome Rafael Collazo. Rafael, my man, good afternoon. How are you? Great, man. It's Friday. The weather's awesome outside, so I cannot complain. Absolutely. And we're spending time together, which is always great. It's funny because you and I, we really don't live that far from each other, but I feel like we see each other on Zoom more than in person. But, you know, that's the way of the world these days. But, um, you know, tell me a little bit more about yourself. You know, one of the things that obviously you and I have gotten to know each other, you know, over the past few years, just in the industry and otherwise, which I really admire you, I really appreciate you. And I'm excited about this conversation today. But I'd be curious, you know, your closest friends, your 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 girlfriend, your family, like, how would they describe Rafael Colazzo? I mean, that's, that's a pretty profound question, but I'll try to do the best to answer it as I, as I can. As far as who I am, I would say that I'm always striving to see what potential I have, right? So trying to maximize my potential. So I'm always kind of pushing the boundary, always trying to get the best out of other people and really just trying to be a resource. I really like helping people. I come from a giving mindset. I think it's a big part of uh, just my family upbringing. You know, everyone in my family is very generous and very kind and wanting to help other people. So I would say that's probably the best way to describe me as a person. As far as who I am, obviously, I'm in, I'm in the commercial real estate business. I actually met Tyler uh, right as I was getting into it from my previous career. Uh, and he provided a f phenomenal insight in, into the industry and 
you know, ever since then I've been practicing, I think July, 2019, if I'm not mistaken, it's been almost two years, which is crazy. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and it definitely comes across as far as like the generosity and just the giving nature of who you are, which is awesome. And that's one of the things that I love about real estate, especially is that you're surrounded by so many abundant thinkers, right? Abundance mindset is really what we're surrounded with, which is one of the greatest things. And I don't know about you, Raphael, but you were, you know, previous to real estate, you were obviously, you know, doing some software work. And, and obviously, you've had you've got a pretty dynamic background being an author as well, which is something that I want to get into. But, you know, does that is that really sort of what got you into real estate was just being attracted to the generosity and also, you know, just the challenge of, you know, this, this career and in this industry in terms of the expansion, you talked about always looking to go to the next level. Are those some of the things that attracted you or were you even aware of that? So I've always been somewhat of a, I guess, big thinker and always extremely creative. And so when I was a kid, my mom would always encourage me to explore that. And my mom is also very business savvy and entrepreneurial, but she didn't have the same opportunities I had growing up to be able to explore those opportunities. And so she actually became a residential agent in Arizona uh, right around the time I was graduating from high school. And ever since then, she was always encouraging me to get my license. But as someone who, you know, I'm sure you realize that when, when your parents tell you to do something, you kind of go the other way. But, you know, I, I obviously went, got my degree in engineering, industrial engineering and economics at Arizona State University, and then dived into the software business. I used to be a, a software consultant with a company that used to implement software systems uh, across the country and abroad. And so I did that for about four years, five years. It was very transitory. Uh, it was very intellectually stimulating, which I really enjoyed. But again, I've always kind of had that creative outlet. You know, I've always been kind of somewhat entrepreneurial and I really enjoyed business and entrepreneurship. I had a business in college, which was a catering business. Um, and so right around the time I moved here to, to Louisville, um, I was looking at other options, looking at new opportunities, trying to figure out what I really wanted to do with the rest of my life. And Lo and behold, my mom being the residential real estate agent said, hey, why don't you check out real estate? And I'd always thought about real estate as a good opportunity from an investment standpoint. Obviously, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I, I was looking at, I was reading Bigger Pockets. I was listening to the podcast. So I understood the value of real estate as an investment opportunity. And I thought, what better way to really become a, a, a excellent real estate investor, whereas just getting into the business and and transacting in the business. That's one of the best ways to do that. So when I was looking at both the residential side and commercial side, commercial just attracted me more. Uh, and I, obviously we had a conversation back in 2019 uh, and and exactly what you were saying, where it's like you, you deal with business owners, you deal with investors, it's very numbers driven, you know, it, it, it's very entrepreneurial and that's something that really attracted me to it. So that's really what got me into real estate. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny. You're talking about learning through transacting. It's actually... I didn't plan on it myself, but that's actually one of the greatest benefits of getting involved in this industry as an agent or a broker and learning in that capacity. And obviously, you know, doing your best to really serve the greatest interest of your clients and, and really adding value to every transaction. But there's so much value in learning through transacting. And obviously, you've also learned as an investor as well. So could you talk a little bit about, you know, what came first? Were you an investor prior to being an agent as well? Or how did that work? Correct. Yes, I was I was an investor prior to being an agent. So when I was at my W two job prior to that, I actually house hacked. So I bought a fourplex. Uh, for those of you guys who are in in Louisville, I was in the old Louisville area. I bought a four unit property, uh, rented out all three uh, three of the units and rented and lived in one of them, thus cutting out one of my biggest expenses, which is your your house payment, your your mortgage. Uh, there's this book called Set for Life, written by Scott Trench. 
Uh, and, and he talks about that, like the, the way that you build your reserves in order to continue investing significantly long term is to cut out those major expenses. And so that's what I did. Uh, I did that for about six months or so. And then obviously with getting into the real estate business, uh, especially in the commercial real estate business, there's a ramp up period. So I'm, I wasn't, I'm not making a significant amount of money the first year. So that obviously was crucial in my ability to be able to, to, to you know, survive uh, just in that first year. And obviously now I'm in my second year, business is picking up and, you know, I, I'm pretty confident that the future's bright. So. Yeah, no, that's exciting. And I think you're giving the listeners a lot of ideas of how they can be resourceful, right? Because at the end of the day, it's never I say this all the time, it's never a matter of resources. It's always a matter of resourcefulness and being a house hacking investor is a prime example of a creative way to reduce your expenses so that you have more of an opportunity to ramp up, right? Because it's not a get rich quick scheme. As you mentioned, I mean, this does not happen overnight. It's about strategizing for the long term. And of course, the compound effect will take hold if you can be patient. And if you can also show up with the energy of, hey, I don't have to receive right now, I can continue to give, I can continue to add value, add value, add value. And then once the compound effect starts to take hold, then you start to see a lot of traction, which I'm sure is what you're seeing in your business now. So could you talk a little bit about that? And maybe the energy that that has given you in terms of being able to be generous? And what I mean by that is really just kind of the vibration, to be honest with you, that you really share with other people, because I don't know about you, Raphael, but I can feel that when somebody, it's like commission breath, right? It's, it's one of those things. It's like, man, I can feel this guy needs to get this deal. He doesn't really have my best interest at heart. He just wants to get the deal across the finish line. Does that resonate with you? hundred percent, a thousand percent. And again, in any type of business, regardless, I mean, your, your first year, two, three, you're going to be building something. Um, and, and in my case, I was obviously very blessed in that I, I had a profession that was well, well paying. And then I got into a house hack where my expenses were almost nothing. So even if I didn't make any money for one year, it really, I mean, I would have lived off reserves, obviously, but again, I wasn't in need of something like that. So I could approach those, those problems from a perspective of like, well, is this the best thing for my client? Uh, because I wasn't, I didn't require, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't forced to be able to close a transaction or survive. And so I 100% agree with you. I think you have to come at it from that perspective in order to have success long-term because people talk. If, if you continually, you know, put your clients in bad positions because you need the money, obviously that's not going to be good for your business long-term. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it really resonates with me right now. And actually you and I had this conversation literally probably four or five days ago, I gave you a call and I let you know that I'm looking for, you know, a replacement for a potential 1031 exchange that I'm doing. And, you know, it's been great to be able to speak with folks like yourself and other people in the market who I've developed relationships with over the years. And now you really start to see how giving really pays off. And not only from just doing the right thing, but how people will, you know, they'll take your calls and they'll be willing to share with you, you know, opportunities that they're working on or whatever. But I know that that's something that you continue to do is just give. Like one of the things that you do in the local marketplace and also regionally is you host meetups for you know several different segments and you're just giving, you're educating, you're connecting. Could you talk a little bit about that? I mean, are you a natural connector or has that just been something that you found has been not only impactful for yourself and others around you, but is that a natural thing? So I will say originally it was not. So I think I was forced to just from my upbringing. So I, just for those for, for those listeners that are out there, I actually was born in Italy, in Northeast Italy. My mom's Italian. My dad's Puerto Rican. He used to be a pediatrician for the government, and we used to travel a lot. So I, I lived in Italy for about five years. Then I moved to Germany, 
And then I moved to Belgium and then moved to the United States when I was 14. So you can imagine with all that moving and all that having to start over every single time, you're kind of forced out of your shell. I was naturally an introvert when I was a kid. I, I, I obviously did, I didn't like interacting with people. I was always nervous when I was in conversations with other individuals, but I realized pretty quickly that if I didn't learn to adapt to these uncommon situations, I was going to have no friends, you know? And so that's the, I guess the, the mold that I was formed in through that time period. And obviously, you know, going, going to a large university like Arizona state university, helped me immensely because now you're, you're, you're go from a high school where you know a lot of people to now where, you know, I mean, I had a few friends that went up to ASU with me, but you almost know no one. And then you got involved in the fraternity and various other things. And now obviously you, you, you form that skill set. Uh, so I, I got very good at that, especially after, you know, going to Arizona state. And as far as building a brand and building a, a meetup, uh, it's just trying, trying it out. You know, I had a buddy here who's a real estate investor. His name's Luke Newbauer. And, you know, I met him on bigger pockets and we just kind of started spitballing at the idea of potentially starting a meetup and, you know, connected with a restaurant owner that Luke knew. And we just started the meetup and the first, you know, couple meetings, we only had 15 people, 20 people there. Uh, and as you know, actually you, you were speaker, at one of the meetups and we got up to, I mean, 80 to hundred people that would show up on a monthly basis. And that was just one of the meetups. Now, you know, like you said, I started a commercial real estate one-on-one meetup. We're doing a lot of virtual stuff and we're getting a lot of engagement uh, from people all across the country. And then we just recently started a meetup called the Louisville Small Business Summit, where we're going to be talking about business concepts, essentially. So we have speakers coming in to talk about entrepreneurship. Our most, our next one is actually going to be in person, and it's going to be talking about cybersecurity and fraud, which is very pertinent to entrepreneurs anywhere. So um, obviously, those will be recorded as well. And that's another component, right? Content creation. So yeah. So when you're thinking about, obviously, and I want to go back to what kind of forced you in this, in this position to really develop in and strengthen and form this skill set that you just described. But I'm actually just curious before we go there, in terms of these meetups and these, you know, events that you put on and these facil facilitations and the, the connector that you've become, do you always think about the outcome? Or are you more so just say, hey, look, let's, let's provide value. And in some way, value will come back? Or is there any thought process in terms of specifically, here's what we're looking to accomplish on the back end? Or any thoughts of that, Rafael? Well, I mean, a big thing is just talking to people, right? Like, they're, they're, they'll tell you what they want to hear a lot of times. And, and then in some situations, it's, it's stuff that I'm interested in. I think, oh, well, you know, I'd like to learn a little bit more about 1031 exchanges, for example. Our most recent commercial real estate one-on-one -on -one meetup was about 1031 exchanges. We had Harry Borders. Uh, who's owns a, a, a firm here called Borders and Borders. And he came and talked about 1031 exchanges. And that was, that got a great response. And that's something that I was interested in. So a lot of times, it, obviously people may tell you what, what they want to hear, but again, if, if you're interested in it, someone else may very well be interested in it as well. So uh, yeah. as far as content creation goes, if, if you scratch your own itch, a lot of times it also is an itch for other people. I love that you said that because that's one of the big things that I get from this podcast is having great conversations with people like you or, you know, top neuroscientists in the world. Like, I want to know more about the brain. I want to know more about how can we maximize our capacity. I want to know more from, you know, the top Navy SEAL, you know, in the world. I want to know more from the top athletes of how can we get the most out of ourselves. And to me, I think that's really fascinating. But also, how can we maximize our real estate? Because that's the vehicle that can give us all the practicality that we want so that we can be creative so that we can be joyful and, and really present with relationships because you and I know 
relationships are really the key to everything. But also, it's so fun to be able to share that curiosity with other people, because some people are maybe too shy to ask the question, or maybe they're not aware enough or conscious enough to even ask the question. But when you do it, you're doing such a service for other people. So let's talk a little bit more about sort of your upbringing and sort of, you know, where you came from, obviously, with a multicultural perspective, um, growing up in all these different countries and moving around. And obviously, you mentioned sort of the skill set that you learn to develop through that situation. I just find that to be really fascinating. But is there anything else that you've found to be a really a gift from that unique upbringing? So, yeah, I will say that. I mean, number one, first and foremost, is empathy and understanding other people. Like I've, I've interacted with people from all across the world. So I can put myself in their position very easily. So it's helped me immensely, especially in a business environment, because now I can put myself in the other person's shoes. And now if you're in a negotiation or if you are trying to establish a relationship with someone, it's a lot easier and a lot more fluid because you understand what the other person's going through. So yeah, I would say that's the big, the big one. Um, as far as other things are concerned, I mean, I mean, there's, there's too many to list really. And a big part of it is, is my, my, my grandparents, uh, in particular, cause I, my, my parents obviously are phenomenal individuals and I, and I gained so much value from them, but just looking at the example of my grandparents and the, the struggles they dealt with in order to get, provide my parents and myself, the opportunity to really pursue our dreams is, is always inspiring. So. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that, because obviously I know just personally from our relationship that you've been really close with your, with your grandparents. So what, what was it that they really inspired you specifically for? So, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example of my, my nonno. My nonno is my grandfather in Italy. He was born in 1929 and he turned 16 when the world war war ended. Uh, not a lot of opportunities in Italy. He actually went to Australia uh, and was a laborer for the government in order to get his residency there. And, and obviously he went through a lot of discrimination and, you know, just tough times. You can imagine uh, not being in your native country and going to a foreign land and, you know, kind of being an outsider. So he, he did that for a while. And luckily he was able to gain his residency. He met my grandmother. He, they had a family and they eventually came back to Italy. But he was just a no nonsense person. You know, he always focused on trying to uh, get the best outcome with no excuses. And whenever I would come up and complain about something, you know, he would always kind of check me. Uh, and, and I would always learn from his example because he was the most efficient person I've ever met in my entire life. He was a, a manufacturing head for a little while, and then he eventually became a farmer. Uh, he had a farm for roughly 25 years, pretty much his retirement. And so whatever he grew, that's what we cooked. That's what we ate. So he'd bring it home. Obviously, he'd buy you know, cheese or, or meats every once in a while. But again, whatever he made on the farm, he would just find a way to make things work uh, within, the, within just the meal. And so it was always just a very impressive example that he set. And obviously, on my my... My other side, my dad's side, uh, my abuelo, um, who is a uh, my grandfather on my dad's side, uh, actually was a military guy. Uh, he was a sergeant major in the army. He was in the army for 25 years. Extremely disciplined, uh, you know, same no nonsense type approach. But he always had a positive way of looking at life. He was always laughing. He was always smiling. You know, even when things were bad, he was always just kind of the one who would cheer everyone up. And uh, he commanded respect. You know, he you you walked into a room. And his aura, his presence always kind of radiated with people. And he always came from a, a giving background. And so, again, those two, obviously, his male role models were, were crucial for me uh, throughout my lifetime. So, No, I love that. And I just want to recap a few things. And obviously, 
what you just said is is amazing and because all the listeners can really look in their background or in their family and they can identify character traits that they really admire about the people that have come before them or maybe their ancestors or maybe even it's people that's not in their family and there's certainly character traits that we can identify within people that we admire whether it's you know Raphael whether it's you know Elon Musk whether it's Jeff Bezos or whoever I mean who's doing something that you really want to do and you can identify within them, whether they're efficient, whether they're positive, whether they command respect, and how can you really integrate that into yourself, right? Because, you know, like my coach says, Raphael, you know, one of the people that you and I love, Trevor McGregor, he says, if you spot it, you got it, right? If you identify it, then you can actually have that as well. And I just also wanted to highlight back what you said earlier about being empathetic and having a perspective. And I just think that's so valuable. And I I would love to really distill that and decode that a little bit further because I know that that's a skill that many others could develop maybe in a, in a stronger capacity. Is there any practical tips that you give to others to be more empathetic or to have better perspective of other people? Because sometimes we get, you know, very caught up in our own bubble and we think the whole world revolves around us. Look, that happens to me as well, but I'm just curious. Is there any practical tips that you'd share? I would say it's just always taking a step back because it's very easy to look at a situation at the service level and draw conclusions. Whereas, you know, you can just stop and say, okay, where, where did this situation evolve from? So if you see someone who's angry and yelling at someone, what, what, what did they go through this morning? You don't know what happened. You know, you have no idea if maybe they, you know, a loved one just got in an accident or, you know, whatever else. I mean, that's all surface level stuff. If you just look at someone who's upset and angry, you don't realize, you don't realize, Hey, let me dive in a little bit more to see what exactly is going on. And you can uncover some motives. Uh, as far as cultural differences, that's something that you just develop from interacting with a, a diverse group of people, right? You understand cultural intricacies. For example, in the Latino culture, for example, very much like touching, you know, patting people on the back, you know, very, very gregarious type of individual. And if that's if you come from a family that doesn't necessarily do that, it can be kind of uncomfortable for you uh, for to, to, for that situation. So I would say, number one, as far as empathy goes, just peel back the onion, you know, step back and say, okay, is it really that they're just being mean or, or, or they're upset or what's going on behind the curtain? And then as far as cultural intricacies, I would say, you know, just interact with people from all over the place, you know, always come in to the situation and be there to learn, you know, take it all yeah. in. No, that's one of the things that I love about traveling is because mm-hmm. you get out of your bubble and you realize that your perspective is just that it's your perspective. And there's so many others out there. So what can you do to really consider the opposite opinion, right? To consider the opposite upbringing or, you know, the opposite perspective. And maybe there's some validity there. Maybe both sides can learn something. Maybe both sides can have some empathy for each other. And my goodness, we can make the world a better place. We can do more deals together. We can do more business. And the abundance thinking can then manifest into reality. And so I just find that to be very fascinating and something that we should all consider to really strengthen. You know, but I'd love to really switch gears a bit and think about, you know, obviously you in terms of, you know, continuing to expand and continuing to learn and continuing to give, you know, being an author yourself, and obviously now you've written multiple books, what inspired you to begin writing in terms of not only the Millennial Playbook series, but obviously, as you've continued to put out more content, what's what's inspired you to do that? So I'll give you the, I guess, the high level view of why I decided to write in the first place. Obviously, I come from a technical background, so writing was never a strong suit of mine. I was actually horrible at writing. My communication skills weren't effective. Uh, The reason why I decided to write in the first place was actually for personal reasons. 
Uh, obviously, in my previous job, I was in a software consulting role. Uh, it was it was a lucrative job, you know, making a lot of money. And I was in when I first started, I was uh, in D.C. for about a year and then I eventually moved to Puerto Rico. And when I got my apartment, it was the stone. Literally, you could throw a stone from my apartment to the beach. So it was amazing. You know, you would think that I had it made right. I'm 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 in a lucrative job, you know, doing some some pretty high exposure work. We were replacing the financial software system for the island. You know, all these things to the exterior looks like I'm have had it made, but inside I didn't feel that way. I felt lost. I felt confused and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so through that exploration, you know, I started doing a lot of research and realized that there weren't a lot of resources out there to help people in my position and my age group to be able to, you know, find out what their purpose is in life. And so I started writing about it. You know, I started learning about all these different uh, pieces of information, then putting it into a blog, which I called the strong professional. Uh, and then every other week I would produce, you know, uh, a blog article of maybe a thousand to 1500 words. And after doing that for about a year, I realized, Oh wait, I got 35,000 words here. And I had just recently read an article about how a 200 page book was 50,000 words. And I was like, well, if I add another 10 or 15,000 words and I round it out, that's a 200 page book. And so I did that over the next three to five months and had my first book. And that was the millennial playbook. And then ever since then, I, I, I released multiple different books that talked about one of the five key concepts that I thought was the most of the, the best way to be able to live your life, which was personal development, professional development, exercise, healthy eating habits and finances. So those are the five pillars that I discuss in my books. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Boom. I love that. And uh, man, that really aligns with, you know, what I've my background as well, because I kind of I was, I guess I was doing well early on in the corporate life. And you know, I was kind of climbing that ladder, but I looked around and said, Man, I'm just not really feeling this. I don't know what it is. I just felt like I was tolerating my life. And, and I know that that resonates with so many people in terms of maybe going through that valley of despair, or perhaps, you know, I know we had Jarek Robbins on the show, and he talked about that. It's like, the void, right? You feel that void, but he calls it the valley of despair. And so what can you do to, instead of being consumed with your own problems, getting consumed with how can you impact other people? And that process comes through personal growth. It comes through investing in your own health. It comes through investing in your own mindset and also developing systems that can support you so that you have time freedom, so that you have 
you know, the freedom of choice, the freedom of new relationships of abundance thinkers and people around you. So I just think that's so awesome that you were able to do that. And also obviously share that with so many other people while you went through that as well. Cause that's, that's uncommon. That, that is totally uncommon. Typically people are like, man, I'm having these problems. I'm going to sort them out myself and that's enough. What would you say to that? Yeah. No, I, I hundred percent agree with you. And, and again, it's, it's a lot of times it's a question that's, that's, simple in the way you ask it, but it's really profound if you actually sit down and think about it. Like, what is your highest and best use? And I, we, I know we talked about that before. And again, my highest and best use was not necessarily that particular role or that particular, uh, what I had chosen to do with my life at that point in time. I felt now that I'm able to utilize my skill sets mo most effectively. Now I feel like I'm actually creating something that is going to be profound. And that's my highest and best use. Uh, where I can give the most I can to this world. Because again, we're only here for, you know, if we're lucky, 100 years. I mean, that's pushing it, right? So what are you going to do in that time frame? If you're just going to tolerate life your entire lifetime, what's what type of life is that to live? No, and I love that. I love that you use the word highest and best use because it's the word that we use in commercial real estate all the time, right? We're always thinking, all right, well, this site, let's say it's a raw piece of land. It's like, what's the highest and best use? Maybe it's a vacant building. What's the highest and best use? Because we can always be creative. We can always change you know the paradigm of what something is used in terms of maybe the past is one thing but the future is something different because things change right change is the only constant and we can look at ourselves in the same capacity because it's all about evolution it's all about continuing to grow continuing to adjust and adapt and be nimble which is why i know you and i are so passionate about personal growth and investing in ourselves and sharing that with other people because when we share it it grows even more for ourselves for other people and, and just that you know the excitement and the joy of that is amazing so talk to me a little bit about that. I want to get into commercial real estate here in a second, but talk to me a little bit about how are you investing in yourself today and how are you continuing to really raise the bar personally? So obviously mornings are huge for me and I, I'm sure they are for you as well. The morning routine is huge, right? So every morning I try to get up early in the morning. I, I invest in my body. So I go to the gym every morning. Uh, I'm usually up by 4.30, uh, get up, you know, read 10 pages of a, of a good book and then I head to the gym and then, you know, I start getting my day started. So I, I have a whiteboard of different things that I want to check off throughout the day. And obviously I go through the, the process there, but as far as personal development goes, uh, obviously, you know, I, I invest in coaching. I've, I've obviously worked with you guys, you and Trevor are phenomenal. So I, I, I did invest in, in invest myself there. I also have been coached uh, on and off for over five years. I understand the value of coaching. I understand that really having someone else across the aisle that is holding you accountable and can have a different perspective on the way that you approach life. Because it's very easy for us to kind of get tunnel vision and how we approach everyday problems. And then having someone out there that, you know, has a different life experiences, have a, has different perspectives can really just, you know, potentially impact your life significantly. So I would say those are probably the, the big ways I do it. So reading, um, putting myself in uncomfortable situations, as you always talk about, you know, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, uh, I would say are all, all those, probably those three ways, I would say. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it, it really shows too, because like, you know, even just starting a new career, especially in commercial real estate or investing or selling property or whatever it is, I mean, especially in this business, because you know, from the outside looking in, it can be daunting, right? You can say, well, man, this is the the good old boys club. And, you know, how am I how am I going to get in the deal or in the know? You know, how am I going to find opportunities? And how am I going to learn? But you really I mean, from this commitment, you've thrown yourself into this, and you've made it a habit of really being uncomfortable and making that your comfort zone. Is there any other habits that you've really developed over the past few years that have been really helpful for you as well? 
So again, with, with the riding side of things, uh, riding in the morning has been huge for me. You know, I, I, I've, I've gotten off it a little bit recently, but, but what I usually used to do is 250 to 500 words a day. And I can't tell you, not only is it obviously helps me create the books and the content, but it also helps me refine my communication skills. So, you know, when, when you are able to sit down and look at a, a, a piece of content that you created and you edit it and, and maneuver around and, and be able to effectively convey a message to someone in the shortest amount of words possible, it does wonders for your ability to communicate effectively. Not only that, I also am part of Toastmasters, which is a public speaking organization and leadership organization. I'm actually the president of the, of the club currently. And again, that's another way to be able to affect, learn how to effectively convey a message, in particular in public, especially if you're going to be delivering any presentations or, you know, you want to effectively be a leader where you, you, you have to convey a message effectively to the people that, that are following you. That's, that's another way to do it. So, yeah, th those are probably the two habits I would say. I go to Toastmasters every week. Uh, obviously I'm the president, so uh, it's almost an obligation. And then obviously the, the writing side of things as well. So. No, that's great. And I think it's so important. I mean, really to think about communication as one of the most critical skills. If you want to grow your network, it's about clear and effective communication, whether it's through email, text, or on a phone call or in person, clearly conveying your perspective, clearly understanding the other's perspective. And, you know, more than half of communication, in my opinion, is listening and really understanding. So it kind of goes back to earlier about empathy and perspective but taking it a step further and really clearly understanding how can you get your point across so that you can serve someone else. But what are, what are some other skills that you find to be really important and that you're really working on refining and sharpening? So uh, I would say structuring meetings was always something that, that I've, I've improved upon. So with the meetups, for example, the logistics of getting people together, uh, creating an environment where people want to come to, because again, you can start a meetup, and if you don't build a culture, if you don't build a, uh, a a compelling reason for why they should continue to show up, then it all fizzles out. So, going through that process of starting a meetup and now getting an idea of what the systems are that are necessary in order to make sure that the the meetup is successful, that was obviously a skill set that I developed. Uh, developing systems, like you always say, right? You get writing, documenting things out, because at the end of the day, if you're trying to grow a business you can't be the admin forever. You know, you have to be able to hand off responsibilities to other people. And, you know, one of the best ways to do that is to document everything that you do so that once you get to a point where you can support hiring other people or, or, or passing along the responsibilities to other people, you can effectively do so. And then they could perform the task equally as well. And oftentimes better than you can, because again, what's your highest and best use? You're, you, you can utilize your best skill sets that are that are generating money for the the business and you can hand off other responsibilities to people who their highest and best use is something that you know is, is necessary to the business as well so no that's so important and um, it's one of those things that you almost you, you obviously have to grow through right you need to understand what needs to be done and what does success look like here and what's the outcome what's the vision for completion and then once you understand what that is you can con clearly communicate it we bring back to the communication then you can really set up systems for success and systems for automation or delegation or what have you. I find that to be so important. So let's switch gears a little bit again. And let's talk about commercial real estate. And obviously, being a practitioner yourself, being someone who's really ramping up your expertise in so many different capacities and surrounding yourself with people regionally, locally, nationally, and really tapping into those minds, not only to give to other people and, and, and expand your network, 
but obviously delivering results. And so let's think about, you know, if, if, would you mind sharing what are you seeing in terms of the marketplace, whether it's locally or regionally, or even nationally? I mean, what are, where are some of the greatest opportunities that are maybe the most overlooked opportunities for commercial real estate investors these days? So again, what Warren Buffett often says, right? Be, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. So in a situation like office space or retail, there's a lot of people kind of fleeing those markets saying, I don't want to touch any, I don't want to be anywhere near that. Uh, but in reality, there's always going to be opportunities in whatever asset class you look at. Obviously, multifamily is a phenomenal asset class. And a lot of people understand that long-term, it's going to continue to prosper over time. But some of the un unheralded asset classes like office or retail and industrial, especially ones that aren't necessarily logistics focused, maybe some manufacturing where they have more office space. There's There could be opportunity there to buy one of the buildings, tear out some of the office and make it more, make it more usable for someone who is looking or has a logistics company. Whereas also in retail, so sh shopping centers, small strip centers where you have service-based retail, that could be a phenomenal opportunity for investors to be able to purchase those types of assets. In fact, we're closing on a property uh, today that is it that exact reason, right? It's, it's, it's a strip center that has a bunch of service uh, retail in the front. There's a, there's a clinic in the back and the tenants have been stable for a long period of time. That's a phenomenal investment opportunity for people. So I'd say as far as trends go, Obviously, logistics, as you know, is, is going through the roof. So a lot of industrial uh, activity, uh, especially on the e-commerce and logistics side, multifamily has obviously been extremely strong uh, through, the, through the pandemic. And surprisingly so, because you would think that more people weren't, wouldn't be able to pay you know, their rent payments or whatever else. But obviously, with the government intervention and you know, overall, people just the first, the first thing they're going to pay is their rent, right? So um, it's, been, it's been performing extremely well. But I would say that's probably my insights thus far uh, as we start getting out of this pandemic situation. Yeah, I think it's a really great insight that you shared, you know, the Warren Buffett philosophy of be greedy when others are fearful, fearful when others are greedy. And so applying that thinking to obviously a bit of a tumultuous time in terms of obviously some asset classes are really strong. Others, you know, in some ways have, you know, a larger degree of risk. So how are you capitalizing on that? How are you mitigating that downside and, and capping that downside while also, you know, participating in potential substantial upside there and, and thinking about that? So I think that's really, really interesting. And, and it's a great philosophy for all of us to think about. But what are you seeing on the horizon? I mean, where do you see all of this going over the next few years? I mean, is there anything do you have a crystal ball there that uh, that you're looking at that maybe we're not aware of? No, I mean, I, I think that um, it, it obviously depends on the, the asset type that you look at. Obviously, office, especially downtown office, I think is going to struggle for quite some time. Obviously, we, you see this locally here in Louisville. Uh, I think it's going to take a while for us to recover downtown. But I also think that the suburban markets could potentially prosper from an office perspective. I think a lot of people are going to be rethinking those big downtown office buildings. But now they're going to they may have smaller satellite offices that are a little bit closer to their their workforce. That you know you can come in one one two three days a week, and you know there's not not a significant long term commitment on their front. Maybe they'll sign a one two three year lease, but I think those five to ten year leases that you see for a lot of these office buildings are probably going to be a thing of the past. So I, I actually, interestingly enough, we had a uh, Tanya Han who is a co working uh, she owns a co working space here in Louisville. We actually talked about that. Whereas I think the co working space is going to have a significant 
uh, boost over the next you know couple of years. So if you're looking at a building that could potentially be converted into some type of concept that's a co-working space, that could be a phenomenal opportunity. Uh, obviously, you'd have to do all the due diligence and everything else, but I really do believe in the co-working industry going forward. And then obviously, uh, again, it's it's what you're comfortable with. So that I guess that's 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 what I would say uh, as far as the, uh, the 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 real estate industry going forward. I think it's just going to depend on a lot of things that that I don't uh, I don't have an answer to, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean it's obviously every hyper local, right? Every single asset is different. Every yeah. single block is different, but you know, it comes down to creativity, it comes down to insight on really who are you serving? What is the outcome for you know, that particular asset? What's the highest and best use going back to what we talked about earlier, and then being nimble and being flexible, not only investing in yourself on a continual basis, so that you can see the opportunity when it presents itself. Because a lot of times, I don't know about you, Raphael, but these are hidden, like a lot of times you look at an asset, and it's not apparent, you know, off the top of your head or right, right in front of you of maybe what that highest and best use is. But if you put yourself in the opportunity to network with other people, if you put yourself in the opportunity to continue to learn, if you continue to put yourself in the opportunity where you're sharpening your communication skills, you're sharpening your empathy, your perspective, this really compounds into an opportunity where now you look at this deal and you say, this is the highest and best use, this should be co working space, or this should be utilized in a different capacity. So it's about being creative, right. And so at the same time, yeah. it's about Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. And, and it's how you structure a deal too, because again, it could be really unattractive as an opportunity in this particular structure, but then you restructure it and, and use your creative skills to be able to say, oh, well, how about we do this? How about we do that? And now you create a deal that makes sense as an investment. So again, like you said, creativity is going to be huge going forward, especially because money's so cheap right now, right? There's a ton of money in the market. There's not a lot of inventory, in, in especially in some of these very high, highly desirable asset types like industrial multifamily. So the way that you're able to bring your creative skills to the deals that you're looking at, I think is going to be crucial uh, going forward. Yeah. And the other piece too, that we haven't touched on yet is mindset, because that's one of the pieces that, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of folks really, uh, they put on the back burner, right? They don't really think about that. They're thinking about the practical stuff. They're thinking about, you know, the surface level, but I know that you're an individual who really invests in your mindset. You're always thinking about what is my subconscious mind really communicating to myself? And how's that making me feel? How's that making me act? What type of behaviors am I doing as a result? So talk to me a little bit about the importance of mindset as you've continued to expand, not only as a professional, but also personally. I, I, yeah, I think it's, like you said, it's, I think it's critical. Uh, and I think a big part of it is questioning yourself because there's always going to be negative voices in your head. Uh, I have them every single day. I always question why I'm doing something, if I'm good enough to do something. But the, the, the difference is that I always stop myself and say, why? Why is that? Why do, you, why do I think that way? Uh, and when excuses start popping up, it's that immediate reaction of like, why? Why, why am I thinking this way? You know? So I think, I think from a mindset perspective, you can do whatever you set your mind to. That's truly my belief. I have a growth mindset. Whereas, you know, if, if I think that I want to do something and I really, really want to do it and I have a big enough why to want to do it, I can go do it. Even if I have to run through a brick wall to get it done, so be it, you know, but, but that takes time. That takes, you know, engaging with this type of content that that opens up your mind to the, the, the possibilities because there's people that have come from much worse uh, backgrounds than me that have accomplished significantly more in the in the in the grand scheme of things and if they can do it why can't i do it
you know? Man, that's the question. Why not me? Why not me? I think everybody that's listening to this episode or watching this episode, you can ask yourself that right now. Why not me? And insert your name because you can do anything. You can accomplish anything if you really believe it's possible. If you don't believe it's possible, then you've really stopped yourself in your tracks before you've even gotten started. So let's check in with that. Why not me? And I, I love that. And I'd love to, you know, really take this one step further before we move into the, you know, the rapid fire section. Obviously, all of this is for designing a lifestyle, right? We don't just do this for not right. Obviously, you and I are guys who were driven by obviously the process, the game and getting better and challenging ourselves and having a competition with ourselves. I know that's the case. But I'm just curious, I mean, what is that lifestyle that you're designing? I mean, do you have a vision for for that? I mean, where you're at now and where you want to be or or how does that look? I'm just curious. So again, similar to you, I mean, I'm a big traveler. I, I like to have geographic. Um, I, I don't want to be tied geographically. So for example, I want to be able to go to see my family in Italy for a month. I want to be able to go see my family in Puerto Rico for a month, you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, I also want to have a significant amount of impact. So I want to be able to grow large organizations that really touch a lot of people in different, in different uh, regions. And so I would say from a lifestyle design perspective, making time for my family, you know, I'd love to have kids one day, you know, grow a family and, and be able to compart wisdom upon my, my, my children at some point. So have setting aside time so that, you know, I'm not all on in one direction where I'm, you know, all work, no play. You know, I think, I think lifestyle design, like you said, is extremely important and it's an ever evolving thing. You know, I, I think, I think Jeff Bezos was, was the the one who said that work life balance isn't a thing it's work uh, it's it's work life harmony right mm. For, there's going to be some parts of your life where y- it's all work you know but then there's going to be other parts of your life you know where you're going to maybe pull back from work a little bit and now you can focus a little bit more on your family so i i don't necessarily believe that you know i i want to work 40 hours a week or whatever else it's it's going to ebb and flow over time but it, it's got to be harmonious it can't just be one direction and then you know at the at the at the mercy of everything else Yeah, no, what a great, great distinction. I've not heard that before work life harmony. Because you know, like you, it's like you got a big project going on, there may be weeks where we're really, really cranking. And there's others where, hey, you know, we're spending a month in Italy. And you know what, we're we're drinking some wine, we're, we're at the Coliseum, we're we're doing whatever, you know, we're at the, uh, you know, we're, we're in Tuscany. I mean, my goodness, I got to get back to Italy soon, you're reminding me uh, of all the great things of Italy. And uh, man, I just really, really appreciate this conversation, Raphael. I appreciate our friendship. I appreciate everything about you and how you continue to raise the bar. I just want to acknowledge you so much for all of that. But I also want to transition into our rapid fire section. Of course, you know this, we call it the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. It's about everything that we've talked about today about having empathy, having perspective, sharpening your skills, whether it's communication, whether it's you know, public speaking, whether it's facilitation of connecting other people, continuing to invest in yourself and all the things that we've talked about today, which is beautiful. I'd love to know, obviously, being an author yourself, you are a big reader. I know this for sure. Talk to me about what are the two or three most impactful books you've read over the past few years and why? Yeah, so I, I think I mentioned this on a few times. A few times. So the first book that I read that really changed my perspective of life was The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Uh, this the idea is very simple, but it's extremely profound. So like when when I was at that point in my life, uh, I would say 23, 24 years old, I look at people like Oprah, Richard Branson, some of these mega performers in life, and I thought there's no possible way I could possibly achieve what they do. But then I read the book, The Compound Effect, and I realized that. All it takes is incremental increases over time to add up to massive results. And one of the examples they use in the book kind of 
set it home for me where, you know, they, they followed three people for 24 months and one of them cut out soda, one, one soda at lunch, which was equivalent to like 150 calories. One kept on, you know, drinking the soda. And then the other one decided to drink an alcoholic drink at the end of the day. And, you know, they were the exact same in every way, the same height, same weight, same everything. And they followed them over the course of the 24 months. And over the first six months, there was really not much change. So the first guy who gave up the soda is kind of upset because he hasn't been able to drink soda for six months, but he decides to continue to go along the path to be able to do what he needs to do. The guy in the middle hasn't changed much. And obviously the guy who's been drinking a alcoholic beverage hasn't changed much either. But when you fast forward to 18 months, the guy who stopped drinking one soda lost 30 pounds. And what comes when you lose 30 pounds? More energy. So he had more energy to dedicate to his wife and his family. And now he starts training for a marathon because like, oh, I have more energy and let me go exercise and do this. So it just, it's a spiraling upward versus the other gentleman who was drinking an alcoholic beverage every single day. Now he's gained 30 pounds. He has less energy and now it's a spiral downwards. So realizing that the habits you create and the incremental changes you make in your life on a day-to-day -day basis can either help you spiral upwards or spiral downwards. Which one do you choose? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, and let me tell you, I'm 100% that book is so, so profound. And really when you think about it, I mean, you know, he took it a step further and gave the example of when a penny compounds, you know, over mm -hmm. a month time, 30 days, you know, one penny to the next day, obviously if you double a penny, you know, they, you got two cents, right? The third day you got four cents. And I think it's like after a week or a week and a half, you've got like $14. It's really not that impressive. But at the end of the month, you have, what is it, $1.7 million? Ten, $10 million, yeah. So I, I actually gave a speech uh, at uh, the one of the leadership organizations for high schools, uh, FBLA it was. It was like the state conference. I spoke in front of 2,500 people, and that was the example that I used. So it was ten, I, is it 10 million? Is it 10 million? It was 10, 10 10.7 million or something like that. So it's like, would you rather take, I, I gave him an example is like, would you rather take $3 million right now? Or would you rather have a penny that compounds every day for 30 days? Yes. And you know, obviously we had a split in the audience and then we walked through the example and then you obviously in the crowd, they're like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't really. So what, so what are the habits, right? So what are the habits that you're developing now, whether it's personally, whether it's professionally, because the compound effect, I mean, you talk about quantum leaps, you talk about compounding interest, which is maybe one of the most powerful forces in the world, how can you apply that to yourself in every capacity, and just turn your life into this machine and this rocket ship that really can blast off and, and so that you can do great things for other people as well. So great, great example, great share. Aside from our discussion today, Raphael, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? So uh, again, putting myself in uncomfortable situations, you know, taking on leadership positions, uh, particular ones where I don't know a lot, you know, I think that that in and of itself it makes you grow and expand because whenever you're uncomfortable, you, you try to morph your way into trying to feel more comfortable. And then you put yourself in another uncomfortable situation and you morph your way into being more comfortable and you continue to do that. And you look back after a year or two and you're like, wow, how did I make this massive change? And that's because you kept on changing, you know, your, your position, you know? So mm. no, that's, I would a, say. that's a really cool share too. I'd, I've never thought about it that way. You almost do morph. Like you said, it's like you, you put do. yourself in an 100%. uncomfortable position and then you almost change as a result so that you subconsciously get more comfortable. But what you're really doing is you're getting more skilled. You're getting more, you know, experience, you're getting more capacity or gaining more capacity. Is that, is that what you're saying? hundred percent. I mean, you're a different person today than you were seven years ago. Right. Yeah. And I'm not only that, but you put yourself in positions that 
most people wouldn't want to do because it's scary. It's unknown. And you know, you, you, you weren't seven years ago, if you put yourself in this position, you would fail. But now since you've morphed your way into the person you are today, you can handle it, you know, mm. and but that, but that was a progression. If you started, you know, if you threw yourself in this position right now, seven years ago, it's a different story, but obviously you've evolved since then. So. Yeah, that's so good. And, and it just reminds me, and it, I'm sure it reminds the listeners as well as like, let's be open to changing, right? If we look back in six months, or if we look back in a year or two years, if we look back and say, man, I'm really embarrassed by the things I said, or the things I did, or, you know, the person that I was, or the lack of experience that I had, that is a great thing. So let's be open to morphing. Let's be open to changing and really getting uncomfortable as a result, because I don't know about you, but I think the more discomfort that I place myself in, the more my life becomes comfortable. Otherwise, it's this paradox that continues to surprise me, continues to inspire me to continue to push forward and to really say, you know what, this is really the calling card. It's, it's about making challenging decisions, because I know that that's going to set me up for a compounding effect that you know, this conversation continues to compound on itself, which is so exciting as well. But, but Raphael, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Uh, so I, 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 obviously giving back, I'm big into giving back. I I'm, I'm on the board for the, the fraternity that, uh, that I was a part of SIGEP. Uh, so I, I, I serve on the board here for the locally for the U of L I'm also part of junior achievement. I'm on the young professionals board there. Uh, I meant, I used to mentor, uh, students. I was part of the society of professional Hispanic engineers. And I used to have, uh, two mentees that I used to mentor on a regular basis. Obviously I've coached in the past, you know, so really it's just trying to compart the lessons that I've learned to other people and then have having them come to that realization themselves as well. Because again, you could tell someone something until they're blue in the face, but until they're willing to accept it into their life and really wa want to change and want to grow, that's really where the, the transformation occurs. And, you know, obviously as a coach, I mean, you could compart as much wisdom as you wanted to someone, but they have to be willing and able to receive it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you continue to give in so many different ways. So obviously, when the uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And perhaps, Raphael, you are that teacher for many other people. And obviously, you're continuing to, you know, push the balance yourself and raise the bar. So I just acknowledge you so much. And I really appreciate you. Is there any other parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share with Elevate Nation today? No, I mean, I think we covered a lot of it. Again, the, the profound impact is that just start today and move forward incrementally. Even if you, you know, let's say in, in the writing example, you know, write a hundred words today. Even if, even if it sucks, I can't tell you how many times that I wrote 500 words and 400 of them suck the next day. But then I cut down those 400 words and I modified those, the, the, the sentences. And I was like, Oh, that's actually pretty good. You know, and I started keeping it up, keeping it up, keeping it up by the end of six months. Now the 500 words that I write are awesome. You know, they're a lot better than I were, that was at the beginning. And you could apply that same methodology to anything in your life. And, you know, you'll be better off six months from now, 12 months from now, 40 years from now, if you just start today and continue to move forward every single day. My man, this is a message directly to everybody listening. You know, there's something in your life that you've been avoiding. There's something in your business you've been avoiding. It's hitting me right now. I'm telling you, tell you that right now. The message is start today start today because guess what you know tomorrow will come it's just a matter of what are you committing to today and my goodness Raphael, what a great conversation tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and what you do so yeah so again my name is Rafael Cuyasso and I'm a commercial agent here in Louisville Kentucky I also do a lot on the book side so obviously I wrote the Millennium Playbook series uh, you can check that out on Amazon I you can check out my website at rafaelcuyasso.com I also have a YouTube channel 
uh, that we, uh, where I provide commercial real estate concepts. And we're also starting a podcast. Tyler and I were talking about it. It's going to be called the CRE Academy where we host people and Tyler is one of our guests, uh, who's going to talk about different commercial real estate concepts. So yeah, those are, those are all the ways you can get, get a hold of me. Obviously you can find me online, shoot me an email, shoot me a text. I'm always happy to uh, connect and, you know, help in any way I can. Yeah, you bet. And uh, of course, we'll put links in the show notes of where you can find Raphael all over the place, uh, whether it's his website, whether it's his podcast, his YouTube channel. And uh, you definitely want to engage with Raphael and really, really learn from him and really see the example that he's setting because he's living everything he talked about today. And uh, man, I just want to encourage you to re-listen to the show because repetition is the mother of all skill. And of course, it is about identifying and really decoding and distilling what are those top three takeaways? I mean, obviously, starting today is an easy one. But what else can you really distill from this discussion that you can apply to your life to your business immediately? Because I don't know about you, but there's so much here that I can apply immediately myself. And what can I do to share that with someone else? You know, whether it's sharing this podcast, whether it's sharing this episode, or just saying, hey, look, I listened to a podcast today. And here are the things I learned you know, maybe this will help you as well. So pay it forward and share this with a friend, share it with a colleague, share it with a family member. And at the end of the day, it is most important to take massive action. So I would encourage you to go out there, be willing to get uncomfortable and start today. Raphael, thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. Thanks, Tyler. Good seeing you. Absolutely. Elevate Nation, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.